Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. All right, we're back. I'm fired up to kick off a second season of the Giants Wire podcast with Dan Benton. Dan, it's it's good to be back with you, my man. I've missed our weekly chats about this uh, crazy Giants franchise, man. How you been? I've been good. I'm thrilled to be back, though. I'm not going to lie. This this offseason's quiet. It's uh, boring. And, and as much as that was needed in Giants land, uh, I'm ready to get back into something significant, uh, get back on the podcast, get back covering some news. I'm, I'm ready for free agency, and, I, and I'm glad we're getting this ball rolling in March. Yeah, and, and speaking of, there's been some late-breaking news with the Giants. And you, you know it's the offseason, Dan, when you're writing about The uh, Bachelor. I got a kick out of this uh, <laughs> trying to prep for our show. You were writing yeah. about the Bachelor, the, the after the final rose. I was, I read that whole article. I'm like, Dan, you know, that's good. You're, you're, you got some depth to you, my man, as a reporter. I like that. <laughs> well, that comes from years and years of covering various different things. I, I actually used to work out in Hollywood for a long time. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, covering movie and television memorabilia. Oh, how about that? I didn't even like know that. that. So, See, I'm glad I right, brought that so up. There's, there's your little there's your little tidbit of information today, but yeah, you're right. You know it's the off season when uh, some of the headlines on Giants Wire are about the Bachelor. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's where we're at right now. It's, it's a dry season. Yeah, I had to give you a little bit of crap about that, but I do that because <laughs> I love you, man. That's why. Uh, uh, you know what was the, the worst part about that is I wrote that up because uh, ABC wanted Strahan. Right, right. And exactly. I thought, he'd all right, be, yeah, great. It's Michael, right, it's Michael Strahan. That's a good story. And then it went to Acho. And listen, nothing against him, but it's like really. Now what am I going to do with this story? I have to finish covering the whole thing, and I'm like, I don't want to write this up. This is ridiculous. It's all about getting content out there, Dan. Whatever That's it, it is. man. You never, you never know what's going to hit, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you. That uh, that sold way better than you would have thought it would. I'm sell. sure. No, hey, bachelor. Anything that has the bachelor in the headline, uh, yeah, I'll have to go back and check out how Acho did uh, hosting the after the final roast thing. But that's for that's for another that's story for another day. What's kind of been dominating the offseason headlines across the league have been every team in the league trying to change their quarterback, Dan. Right? It's either Deshaun Watson leaving voicemails with the Houston Texans, right? Uh, or it's now Russell Wilson naming a couple teams that he would go yep. to. And I think the uh, the New Orleans Saints mayor was on Twitter saying, we want you, Russell Wilson, please come. You know, So like everyone's fawning over these quarterbacks. Everyone is kind of in on Matt Stafford. But one team that really hasn't been in, at least publicly, on anything are the Giants. Seems like, as you were saying all last year, they love their quarterback, right? And it seems to me like the GM, Dave Gettleman, he believes in Jones. The head coach, Joe Judge, he believes in Jones. Jason Garrett believes in Jones. Even Giants Wire editor Dan Benton believes in Jones. We know that (laughs) from last year. So the Giants have their guy. And I think the question is, now they got to start building around him and we need to see him take like a Josh Allen type of leap next year. I think the the shine will come off if he struggles Mm -hmm. and has 11 
touchdown passes and 11 interceptions in 2021, right? So, uh, but that's the thing. The Giants have their guy, but now I think the pressure is on Jones to perform and deliver uh, in 2021. But what do you think about that? No, I mean, that, that's that's pretty much spot on. You know, I, I know last year so many people thought I was a crazy person who had no idea what it was that I was talking about. Unwavering, Dan. Unwavering right, and I'm, I'm for waiting for that line of apologies to come, even though I don't expect them to come. <laughs> But, uh, you know, here we are exactly where I said we were going to be and exactly where Gettleman continuously said they were going to be. And and the Giants, as you said, are unwavering. And that's not just publicly. That's privately, too. They they expressed absolutely no interest whatsoever in trading for Deshaun Watson. They expressed no interest in Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, any of them. They were not interested. They were not engaged. They are set with Jones. They're moving forward with Jones. And it's, like I said, it's, it's unwavering. Uh, but the reality is in year three, he's got to step up. He's got to play better. And that's not to say that he didn't improve uh, last season because I certainly felt he did, even though the statistics don't represent that quite as well because admittedly there was dip there. Um, but from a physical standpoint, from an arm standpoint, from an accuracy standpoint, even from a turnover standpoint, you know, you want to break it down in any individual category across the board that's not statistics. And on film, Jones substantially improved. The Giants saw that. Um, but now you've got to take that year three leap because this is this is what it is. You know, I constantly preach patience, and that's something the Giants haven't had in about a decade. Um, but when it comes to those patients, it's usually year three for quarterbacks, year four, you know, for other positions uh, in the current state of the NFL where you've, you've got to take that next step to prove that the investment, the patience, and everything are worth it. So there are no more excuses for Jones. We could talk all day long about the talent around him, uh, the lacking offensive line, Evan Ingram, the wide receivers, Evan Ingram, uh, the running backs and the injuries, and Evan Ingram. We'll get to and, him. Uh, right, and it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. There are no excuses. Jones has got to make it happen. He's got to he's got to be Eli is what he's got to be in terms of making the talent around you better because there are no more excuses. If you fail now, you're gone. Your general manager is fired, and who knows what that means for the head coach at that point. As much as I tend to be kind of an a-hole, Dan, and, and, and remind you of Jones' stats in 2020 to be like, hey, Dan, don't forget he lost six fumbles as well. You know, like I, oh, yeah. you, you know, I like to do that. But for me, it's like, okay, you tend to forget Saquon Barkley got hurt. You didn't have Barkley. Like, uh, there's a lot going on that could help him coming into 2020. Yeah, Fresh start. Sure. And how can the team help him? That's what I want to talk about today a little bit. What should the team do? Like, should the team really go out and address the offensive line? Another thing that could help Jones in 2021 is getting a guy like Nate Solder back. Right. The 2020 COVID opt-out. He should be back in the fold. And now what could the Giants do? to? Could they pair him with another former Patriot like Joe Tooney? Now, I saw you wrote about him or somebody on the Giants Wire wrote about Tooney. Right. Is it feasible that the Giants go top of the market at that position because I think Tooney is coming off the franchise tag with the Patriots I've heard some stuff that he might become like the highest paid guard in football is it feasible that the Giants go top of the market at that position or or maybe they just try to find help in other ways on the offensive line I think that's a good place to start what do you think I'll be honest I I don't really know how they're going to approach this I've got no insight on it um I wouldn't be surprised to see them you know, go after some offensive linemen, whether or not they're going to be able to afford one of the higher priced offensive linemen on the market. I don't necessarily know. They don't have a whole lot of cap space. And although, you know, I'm a believer in the ability to restructure, change bonuses, et cetera, whatever you need to do to create additional cap space, they're still only going to have a limited amount, no matter how much they clear. 
So the question then becomes, do they want to spend a huge chunk of change on an offensive lineman or do they want to spend a huge chunk of change on a playmaker? And the question that they're going to need to answer internally is which of those things they believe is going to be more valuable. Based on what we saw last year, especially in the second half of the season where you began to see the offensive line gel a little bit more, and you know, granted they had some hiccups along the way, Overall, they looked better. I mean, Nick Gates at center showed drastic improvement. He really seems like a guy who's going to hold that position down for a while. Uh, at left tackle, granted, he struggled really bad in the beginning, but he kind of came on towards the end, and I can't imagine the Giants are going to start shifting Andrew Thomas around from the left to right, moving him all over. That's not going to fix this problem, so you kind of got to lock him into place there. They're obviously going to approach Nate Solder about a restructure. I think that should be an outright pay cut. We'll see how that ultimately turns out. Definitely, yeah. uh, he's he's already said he's going to play in 2020. And, you know, listen, if the Giants restructure his contract, he's going to stay. If they don't restructure his contract, I still got to imagine he's going to stay because the cap hit, I mean, the dead cap hit is over $10 million in that case. And you really can't afford that with the uncertainty of the cap going into next season. So you kind of look at him as a potential answer at right tackle where they have Cam Fleming who's likely to leave by a free agency. And granted, they did invest in Matt Pert, who was a rookie last season and played well at times. Um, but I don't necessarily know that he's ready to go in year two as a starter. And then you look at the guard spots, and that's when someone like Tooney comes in, and you've got you know, Kevin Zietler on the right side, who is – honestly, he's the most consistent Giants offensive lineman, period. He's a consistent day-in, day-out offensive lineman across the board, period. And I can't imagine that they're going to part ways with him – only to make you know a slight improvement at the position by dropping tens of millions of dollars more in, in salary, and then on the left side you still got Will Hernandez, who you know somewhat curiously got lost in the shuffle last year, and mm-hmm. Shane Lemieux, yeah, he got who was also the rookie, right? So you know you got to kind of see what's going on over there. They recently bought uh, Pat Flaherty back as sort of an offensive consultant who's going to oversee the offensive line with the incoming offensive line coach, Rob Sale. He's got no NFL experience, so it makes sense why Flaherty's being brought in. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces there, um, but whether or not they want to invest heavily in that position, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that would be a wise decision. Granted, they obviously need to see some improvements across the offensive line. Uh, I just don't know if the big buck spending is going to happen there. I think it's probably more beneficial to Jones and the offense uh, to go with a big-time playmaker. Uh, something they really lacked last last season. Someone consistent, someone who can create separation. You know, hit the home run down the field. That is, of course, if Jason Garrett kind of, you know, opens things up a bit more. Sure. We'll say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things they need to address. I wouldn't be surprised to see him add an offensive lineman. I just don't know if it's going to be a kind of a top of the market offensive lineman. Yeah, and and I saw you wrote about Deshaun Jackson, the nemesis. Uh, personally, <laughs> personally, unless it's like a really team friendly one year kind of veteran deal, I, I, it's hard for me to like invest too much into a receiver like Jackson, oh, who seems to agreed. give you like. His best game is like one catch for 70 yards at a touchdown. You know what I mean? That's kind of what he does now. But there are a lot of receivers out there, Dan. Sorry to cut you yeah. off. Allen Robinson, he's obviously the dream. He's the top of the market guy. But like another one, Kenny Galladay. But there's a lot of like Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers. He's a free yeah. agent. Chris Godwin's a free agent from the Bucks. Curtis Samuel with the Panthers. There's a lot of receivers out there. Will Fuller right. from the Texans. Samuel is one that I wouldn't be surprised to see. Yeah, I like uh, Sign with the Giants. I, I could see that happening on kind of like a mid-level deal, and that seems to make sense. I think that's what Gettleman and the Giants are going to aim for. Not necessarily top-of-the-market guys, but more of the mid-market guys like they 
you know, like James Bradbury, like uh, Blake Martinez, who they signed on those kind of, you know, afterthought mid-level deals last year. And then they turned out to be tremendous players that really changed the defense for the Giants. I think they're going to want to see something similar to that on the offensive side of the ball and then rely on, you know, drafting some, you know, day one starters early on come April. So to someone like Chris Samuel, he, he, he makes sense in that regard that he can come in and, and, you know, he could potentially fit the system. He's kind of the guy they're looking for uh, coming in a mid-level deal who, you know, who's played to a certain level throughout his career. But, you know, you kind of look at him and think, this guy could take it to the next level. So I, I think that's the kind of uh, guy the Giants are going to target. Well, as we said earlier, the Giants were not looking to trade for a quarterback this offseason, but that doesn't mean they should be looking to make a trade, Dan. What kind of trade could the Giants do that could help two of their problems? One, give them a few more draft picks. They only have six going into 2021, so maybe they could recoup another draft pick or two and also help their cap situation. As Dan said, they're, I think they're like a million under the cap right now, so there's they, they would love to have a little bit more wiggle room there. A trade could help both of those causes. Let's talk about that coming up next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We know about the salary cap. We could talk more about that. There's limited funds out there and flexibility to do multiple things. The strength of their team was the defense. So how do they manage now trying to help out Daniel Jones on the offensive side, whether it's with protection or with weapons versus trying to bring back two of those big pieces on the defensive line, like Williams, who was their best pass rusher, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who was their man of the year person that they put into the league for the award and hasn't missed a game in four years and is such a good guy against the run. I mean, I think those two guys are musts. I just, I think that if, if you are, and the Giants, obviously, they don't have a lot of, a lot of money. Um, I think what, what that would mean to me is that I am looking uh, to the draft to fix my problems. So that's Peter King of NBC Sports, Dan, talking about Leonard Williams. And that's, that, he says he's a must when we kind of signed off in 2020, we said, oh, man, it'd be great to have Williams back. He was a, he was a beast. Uh, really, he really stood out. But it doesn't sound like they're you know, particularly close to making a deal yet, right? And the Giants have to figure out if they want to put that escalated franchise tag on him. You could help me out here. I think it would be somewhere around like 17, 18 million or something like that. Uh, but you probably know better than me. What, what do you think about Williams? Do you, do you agree that it's a must that the Giants go out and get him back? I do. I, I absolutely do. Um, I don't think the franchise tag is going to be a particularly solid option in that, that case. Uh, he's also got an NFL uh, PA grievance that's ongoing. That's He started, boy, it almost feels like a year and a half ago now, uh, where he's trying to get his position designation changed from a defensive tackle to defensive end, which is you know, essentially going to add over $3 million to any potential franchise tag. So you're talking closer to $20 million uh, for one season. That's an interesting tidbit there. I I was not aware of that. Yeah, right. And let's just be honest. That's just not – it's just not something the Giants can afford nor something they should afford. 
I don't think Williams obviously wants to be back-to-back on the franchise tag either. So uh, there is the motivation in that regard to get things done. And, and I know that Williams does want to be back with the Giants, and the Giants do want Williams back. There's not going to be any sort of hometown discount, though, when it comes to that negotiation. Uh, negotiation. So if the Giants do lock him up long-term, it's going to be a massive contract. And if they let him get to the open market, and that legal tampering period that comes up here shortly – it's going to be a battle to get him back at that point. So the clock is definitely ticking on getting on getting something done there. I don't know if that's going to get sped up or slowed down by the NFLPA grievance. I don't know if that's going to matter when it comes to the contract. I know he wants to be paid like a top-end defensive end as opposed to a top-end defensive tackle. So, you know, you're looking for a pretty – he's looking for a pretty big payday, and the Giants are going to have to just suck it up and, and give it to him, or they're going to have to risk letting him go. And if they do – it fundamentally changes the front seven of their defense right out of the gate, and it creates a void that they're going to need to fix with you know another high-end signing anyway. So really it's on Gettleman, especially after the investment he's already made uh, in Williams you know, via the trade with the Jets and then, of course, you know, the franchise tag a year ago. Uh, you really can't let him get away. You know, Gettleman, as far as the media and the critics and everything go, he's – He's got the upper hand, and he can laugh a little bit and say, I told you so, but that is only going to bring him so far if they can't get Williams back under contract. So I, I think not only it's a, it's, is it a must, it's, it's just something they can't avoid. Uh, it's just one of those situations. It almost reminds me in a way of the Nate Solder deal a few years ago where it's one of those things where you know you're going to have to overpay this guy a little bit, but you don't really have a choice, and everybody knows that going into it. Um, so I sort of see it that way. It's just one of those things where, you know, with the clock ticking, Gettleman and company, Kevin Abrams, they're just going to have to get something done. You cannot let him hit the legal amper period because if you do, you're not going to get him back. Yeah, And, and as you said, it's going to be pricey because uh, it, everything he's done in the offseason and you bring up that grievance, everything he's done signals that he's looking to get paid uh, a lot of money. He's, yeah, and he like deserves said, it. Yeah, I mean, sure. he, just, he deserves it at this no point. No discounts, and, uh, and you can't blame him for that. Absolutely no, and I, I, you know what? I was holding out hope for the Giants' sake that uh, Williams was actually going to give them a little bit of a hometown <laughs> discount because his whole thing last year was is that all he's ever wanted was respect, and the only person that's ever shown him that respect and faith is is Dave Gettleman. But when it comes to you know signing the dotted line and, and the dollar signs, you know that stuff kind of goes goes out the window real quick. So. It's going to be expensive. Um, it may end up costing them Dalvin Tomlinson. I really hope it doesn't um, because, again, you know, those are two mainstays on the defensive line that was really overperforming last season, and um, it will create a void if they lose either of them. But from an all-around perspective, it's harder to replace the production that Leonard Williams brought to the table than it would be Dalvin Tomlinson, and that's not a knock on Tomlinson. But we've seen that with the Giants in years past where they let players like Linval Joseph go and then they'll, you know, they'll they'll cycle somebody back in. We've seen that over and over and over again where they go through and they find these big time run stuffing defensive tackles. And it's not like they don't have anybody on the team as it is um, anyway, because they've got some, you know, BJ Hill is a good example. He's a quality player, could potentially step in there, but you don't have that replacement for Williams in-house at a, a team-friendly deal like you do with Tomlinson. So if you've got to weigh the options there, um, Williams is, is obviously more key uh, to the Giants to have them uh, return in 2021. Yeah, and, and Peter King put a 
kind of interesting there in that clip we played. He said the Giants don't have a lot of money. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting how we put that. Now, they have, uh, I think it's like around $1.2, $1.3 million in projected cap space, but that number can be, uh, you know, you can move that number around in a lot of different ways. Restructuring Nate Solder would be one way to do it. Uh, another way that, you know, we talked about it before the break is uh, trade. You, you could trade somebody. And, and a guy we talked about, probably the most around last year's trade deadline, Dan, on this show was Evan Ingram. Uh, I think Ingram should probably be on the top of the Giants list when teams call looking for a trade partner, right? And and this is something that G- the Giants could move on from Ingram, who is a guy that I think we're all kind of, we all love his talent and we see it flash every now and then, but then we're all just bury our heads in our hands with mm-hmm. some of the things that happen. With Evan Ingram, it just seems like he's bad luck or something. There's something going on with Ingram when he's wearing that Giants uniform. I think maybe a change of scenery could help him because I think he has a chance to be a really good tight end in the league. It could also help the Giants. Maybe they could get a draft pick or two. They could clear some cap space. Uh, He's a guy that had 11 drops last year. The Giants turned it over like six-plus times when targeting him or something like that. He fumbled a few times. Like I don't know. It was a tough year for Evan Ingram. And I just feel like trading him, they refused to do it at the trade deadline last year, Dan, but maybe now's the time, this offseason. What do you think? I would tend to agree with you, but the sense I get is that's just simple. Yeah, they love him. It's not going to happen. Joe Judge just adores the guy, just loves the hell out of him. And that's just, hey, Judge is the way he is, and it's hard to question him because you kind of you watch him and you listen to him and everybody sort of buys into what it is that Judge is saying. And and if he, he loves Ingram, I, I assume that Ingram's going to stay. Uh, but from a financial personnel standpoint, it would make sense to sort of entertain any kind of trade offers. On the other side of that coin, however, I don't necessarily know how much the Giants would get in return for Ingram. Yeah, you know, he made the Pro Bowl. Uh, but, you know, you put on that film and any general manager and any scout is watching that thinking to themselves, thinking to themselves boy, this guy is explosive, but. Well, you just and, gotta you, you gotta know, blame Daniel Jones somehow for that stuff, you know. Right, find that's a way. the way, of course, it is. It's always Daniel Jones's fault. Somehow, it's probably still Eli Manning's fault too. But <laughs> I, you know, it's just it, it does. It's kind of a strange situation that the Giants find themselves with Ingram because yes, they could use uh, the calf space. Uh, yes, he could benefit from a change of scenery. Yes, he really held back the offense at times last season, and he certainly damaged Jones. Uh, especially in that Philly game, which we continuously go back to. But, you know, when you talk about big drops outside of playoff games, that's about as big a drop as you, you could make. I mean, you know. It's painful. He, right. He catches that ball. The Giants go to the playoffs. They yep. They, yep. Played, they played the Buccaneers really well in the regular season. So who knows what would have happened in that wild card game at MetLife Stadium. So, you know, it's one of those situations where you look back at the damage that Engram did, and it's significant. And I think a lot of teams that are watching him would be thinking the same thing. This is a great player until it comes to the big moment. So how much do we want to invest in him? Do we want to send draft picks to the Giants and then have to, you know, come to some sort of long-term agreement with him as his contract is running out? You know, you look at it from the other perspective, and yeah, that's that's a massive risk to take for any of the other 31 teams in the NFL. And I can't imagine any of them are lining up to give the Giants anything of substance, you know, especially picks within the top 100 uh, so while that might work on Madden, I don't necessarily think that's going to work uh, in real life. So I wouldn't expect Ingram, Ingram to go anywhere. But I don't necessarily mean I don't necessarily think that means there won't be some level of competition for Ingram brought in because 
as much as Judge loves Ingram, you absolutely cannot bank on him going into next season. I agree. And then what if, you know, that stud tight end Kyle Pitts is available at number right. 11, right? I mean, and that's something that we can talk about over the next couple of weeks. What are the Giants going to do in the draft? What's more important, the O-line, the weapons? I know the Giants could use some edge rushers. If, if, we're, not, if we're not moving Leonard Williams to the edge, we're, we're going to have to find someone to, uh, to rush the passer. So right. there's all these, these are all these questions that we're going to be answering over the next couple of weeks as free agency gets rolling and then we start talking about the draft in April. Ah, oh, man, it's just great to be talking football once again. So for Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to be back on the Giants Wire podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.